0: The voice of reason the voice of alarm the voice of stats the voice of scouts the voice of kool-aid the voice of dismay the voice of david and here we go
1: i am so excited to turn the calendar over to the 2017 major league baseball season another 162 games plus Hopefully several more into October and maybe November, dare I say. It is Davo on another edition of your dish, Clubhouse Conversation of the preseason variety. This is our season-long prediction edition of the dish. An annual thing I've been doing the last few years with my good friend Jake Lutz, who is the Clubhouse Conversation insider, freshly back from Surprise Arizona, just a couple of days ago. Jake, welcome to yet another prediction edition of the dish. This is my favorite one of the year i don't know about you
0: yeah i love it Dave. can you believe we're less than a week away from opening day it's just crazy
1: Yeah, we are. It's six days away. I will be up there in Minnesota. And, of course, here at the one in KC, we can't wait for another nice long season of Royals baseball. We'll have, uh, you know, former player interviews are during the winter the majority of the time. We'll sprinkle some in throughout the year. But we'll talk to several current Royals players throughout the spring and summer all the way from Idaho Falls uh, on up, you know, Burlington and Wilmington and Northwest Arkansas and Omaha and even KC as well. So plenty of interviews, and we'll, of course, be with you, uh, you know, at least once a series on the dish, Jake. Might be retooling it a bit this year and doing more of a series focus with a you know a kind of a breakdown of the past series and a preview of the next series. So should be a fun season. But you know, you ready to dig in, my man, and get towards? Uh, we'll kind of go over the entire AL Central first, and then do some individual awards and preview the Royals, of course. But Jake, are you ready to?
0: Have you done your homework? Are
1: you ready for some AL
0: Central talk? I've done my homework. I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay, well, how we did this last
1: year is we kind of went team by team through the AL Central, and I think Jake and I, by the way, just so you know, do not know what each other have written down for any of these things. So I have no idea who he has first, second, third, fourth, fifth. I have no idea. He does know the five categories that we're doing, but he has not told me which player he selected from the Royals for these categories. So we don't know each other's answers. So this will be fun, Jake. So why don't we do what we did last year and start with the very bottom of the division and work our way up? I'm going to guess – You have the Minnesota Twins in fifth place. Is that true?
0: You are correct. I've got the Twins finishing in last this year. Yeah, uh, this team is (laughs) not really any key additions this year. Um, Jason Castro is their catcher. That's really about the only offseason addition they had, though. Um, It's just this team. I mean, was a disaster last year, and um, not really. You know, all those prospects. They're just. They're not. They never really panned out, and a lot of them are at the big league level. Uh, We're still waiting for Buxton to have that breakout year. I think he may finally hit a little bit this year, but, you know, we know he can run and he's a good center fielder, but it just hasn't happened for him and he's gotten hurt a lot. So it's really uh, Dozier and then just you really don't know what you're going to get out of the rest of the guys in that lineup right now.
1: Yeah, the Twins are a team I agree with you. I've got them at 71 and 91. I will tell you all, we'll tell you the Pocota for each team as well. I kind of – Like to mock Pakota because it's the most worthless thing in the world. For I mean, okay, I shouldn't say that. There are some good parts of Pakota. More for individual. I do think there's some merit with a lot of the stuff that Pakota is based on, and so I don't want to. I don't mean to totally be a jackass about Pakota. But as far as predicting teams, I'm a you know I'll admit it. We're a bit of a we're we're a bit homerish here on on clubhouse conversation. I do think Jake that we are pretty uh, pretty you know honest with our assessment. We do have a little bit of blue goggles on, but I think for the most part we are pretty true to seeing baseball and, and forecasting it as much. As we can without the shades on, but Bucoda, I know you, Jake. You feel the same way as far as their team mm-hmm. uh, projections go. We don't like them very much, but th- they do have the Twins at 78 and 84, which again is seems way too high oh. for me. 78 <laughs> wins for the Twins from Bucoda. I don't know. I don't know if it's the Irvin Santana and Kyle Gibson that really impressed them at the top of that rotation, or you know the one one and a half solid relief pitchers <laughs> they have. But I'm with you, Jake. You look at this Twins team, and and I think it was. Probably fair to say the most disappointing team in the AL Central last year was the Twins. You come off that year, the year before, and Twins fans thought they had legitimate uh, momentum going. But you mentioned uh, Byron Buxton, and Jake, and he can run like the wind, obviously. And and you saw Miguel Sano finish strong last year as a power hitter. Max Kepler, whose you know parents were in the in the ballet over there in Germany, Max Kepler. Um, what, what, do you remember that monster home run stretch he had, Jake, or didn't he hit, like? Eight I home do. runs in five days or something
0: like that last year? Yeah, he, he was a streaky hitter last year. And they, they've got some power in that lineup. You know, I think their lineup, again, could, you know, several guys who can hit 20-plus homers in the lineup. But the problems with this team are not really the lineup. It's more of the rotation, the defense, and the bullpen, which all of those is a problem. I mean, their defense last year, worst in the AL. Do you know how many errors they committed last year?
1: No, how many?
0: 126. (laughs) That was 29 more than any other American League team. That's how bad they were. And they they haven't gotten any better. I mean, they said Sano is going to play some at third base this year, which I don't know, David. I I know they've been playing him there in the spring, but it's hard for me to even imagine that guy playing third base.
1: If I'm uh, Raul Mondesi and some of these other guys, I'm pushing bunts every freaking game against
0: if he's playing third, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, and then as far as the pitching staff, too, I mean, they had a 5.08 ERA as a team last year, and uh, just none of the starters had good years, and some of those guys could bounce back. Kyle Gibson had an off year last year. Uh, I think Irvin Santana, he was solid last year. I think he'll be fine again, but I I don't know if Phil Hughes is actually going to bounce back, and Duffy, Santiago, it's just, I mean, it would take a lot for this team to actually meet what Pakoda is saying, 78 wins. It would take literally everything going right.
1: Is there a way to bring back Booth Bonser? I, I miss seeing Booth Bonser <laughs> pitch for the Twins up there when, you know, I remember the Royals teed off on him towards the end. I, I love that guy, man, Booth Bonser. But yeah, to, to be serious though, so you're right, Jake. That There really is not much going for this Twins team. Like, like we talked about, the, the lineup is not bad. I mean, especially some of these guys coming to their own. Buxton setting the table with Dozier, you know, complete royal killer. We you know Dozier is one of, if not the best offensive second baseman. Of course, Mr. Cano has some things to say about that. And Altuve has some things. Mm-hmm. And Kensler, are some great guys uh, throughout the League, But he's certainly up there, uh, certainly with their power. Uh, but, you know, you've got Joe Maurer and Kepler and Sano. So, yeah, the lineup is 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 pretty good. I mean, it's a, at the very least, it's a solid lineup. But you're right. I mean, your rotation, I mean, some people like to say the Royals have question marks in the rotation, which I don't agree with. We'll talk about that much later uh, in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But there certainly has some uh, some question marks. And I did like the Jason Castro signing that you mentioned Um a guy that underperformed offensively with the Astros last year. The Astros expected more out of his bat. It didn't come, but he's signed for his defense and catchability. He's known to really uh, call a great game and really bring pitchers along, but you know, we mentioned the names that they have in the rotation. There really aren't too many young kids, so it's kind of an odd place. You have to think there's probably some moves coming uh, from the Twins with some more young arms coming up through the system, possibly some trades. I know Dozier is a good chance he might get dealt as the year goes on, and they'll probably add to that, Jake. But Jason Castro could be uh, a nice there. But, I mean, yeah, other than that, though, I mean, what else? You're right. I mean, how, do they, how does Pocota think this team's going to get to 78 wins? Like, all jokes aside, I'm, I'm, you know, I know they don't have a human brain going here, but it just seems, I don't, I don't even see how the numbers would add up to that when you mentioned the defense and some of the other things.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I've got them at 66 wins this season. Wow. I think I don't, I think they're going to be 66 and 96. I just, other than the offense, they're, I mean, one of the worst in the league on defense and the rotation may be the worst in the American League. So, I just uh, I don't see much of a light there at the end of the tunnel for the Twins this year.
1: Well, certainly the Royals will need to get fat on the Twins if they're going to get to where they need to get this year, and also get fat on the team. I'm assuming you also have in fourth place. I'm assuming Jake, it's the Chicago White Sox.
0: Yep, White Sox in fourth.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've got them. What do you have, Matt? I've got them at 73 and 89. Pakoda has them, by the way, at 76 and 86.
0: And I'm right there. I've got 72 and 90. Oh wow! One game worse than you. Wow.
1: So we're on the same page here. Well, I'll start with the White Sox. I mean, a team that has really been revamping things quite a bit. I mean, it was kind of a a pretty quick rebuild, kind of like almost. I mean, they didn't panic sell, but it was kind of surprising how quick they turned. uh, You know, even going back to last year with Laroque retiring and walking away, and some of these other things. But you know, they deal, of course, Chris Sale. Uh, you know, Adam Eaton gets dealt over to the Nationals, which I'm going to be very excited to watch uh, Adam Eaton and Trey Turner and Daniel Murphy and Bryce Harper. Man, that one through four there is going to be fun to sure, watch. Sure. But uh, thankfully, I, Adam Eaton wasn't maybe his normal self last year comparatively, especially against the Royals. Didn't have quite the head-to-head year he has some years past. But I'm excited to get him out of the division, a guy that just was a pest out there. But, yeah, he's gone. Eaton's gone. Sales gone. And, of course, Jake, the ultimate Royal fan favorite, Brett Laurie. Is gone (laughs) amongst others. But I mean, it's a team that uh, still has a good lineup. Let's talk about their offense first. I mean, you've got Abreu, a guy who was disappointing last year. I know a lot of people, myself included, thought he could uh, potentially be an MVP dark horse candidate last year. Didn't even come close to that. You know, you've got Todd Frazier, who's either hitting the ball to the moon or striking out. You've got uh, Miguel Cabrera, who likes to hug people, and you've got the newly extended Tim Anderson, who's a nice player, a nice up-and-coming infielder there. But, uh, you know, talk about their run, about their offense, Jake. I think they'll be able to score a decent amount of runs.
0: Yeah, and it, again, just depends on how gray you is this year. If, you know, Frazier can figure out a way to uh, – I mean, his average was horrible last year. He was literally striking out or homering, just like you said. So <laughs> uh, those guys all would have to have good years for this thing to uh, – to uh go their way um i, I kind of actually like tyler saladino at second base i thought he was solid last year and uh, i i'm a big fan of tim anderson shortstop he was solid in his rookie campaign last year only 23 years old one of their uh his first rounder i believe a few years ago for yeah. them. so uh they've got a couple young players in there it'll just be you know it'll be interesting they're in full rebuild mode and uh it's, it's crazy to see this team without Ian and Sale, but you know, they've got three of the top 15 prospects in baseball now, so in a few years, uh, these guys are probably going to not like seeing on the other side of the diamond.
1: Yeah, and they're with a fifth-ranked minor league uh, system going into the season, and they could certainly be adding to that fifth-ranked uh, minor league system as well when you look at their pitching. So let's move over to the starting pitching. Carlos Quintana, a name that many thought might get traded over the offseason. I'd say there's a, a better than 50 50 shot he is dealt at some point mm-hmm. during this season. Uh, it, it, I've said it many times here on Clubhouse Conversation. In my, for my money, if not the most underrated pitcher in all of baseball, he's got to be top three. I mean, a guy that. Gets you 200 innings every single year. You know, get you a low to mid threes ERA. You know know what you're going to get with Carlos Quintana pretty much every time he goes out there, as steady as they come. So a team will be very lucky to acquire him at some point, probably later this year, and add to that system he talked about. Jake, you know, one thing I forgot to check before we did this, as of two days ago, what's Carlos Rodon? Have you noticed any? Is there an update on his arm issues?
0: Um, I was just actually saw that. I need to take a look real quick. I know that he. uh, I think he's going to start the season on the DL. is what I read.
1: Yeah, I I, I know there was some he's, some forearm stiffness and stuff. They, yeah. As of good, a day and a half good. ago, they weren't sure, but I I think they thought that it wasn't serious. But I wasn't sure if there's any update. There I mean, maybe there is no update. Maybe that's why we have heard anything about that. But
0: um, yeah, either way, though, I, I did see that they said they were going to at least you know take it easy with him being one of their big you know no reason on a team that's in full rebuild mode to you know get him started off the season when he's got arm problems.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, what do you think of their pitching? You've got Quintana and Rodon, and the bullpen, I guess, the key cog that people talk about is is David Robertson. Is anything? Is there anybody you like in this pitching staff, or is it just pretty much blah to you?
0: I mean, I, I, other than Quintana, I don't really like anybody in the rotation. I, you don't really know what you're going to get from Derek Holland or James Shields. He was so bad last year, and Marlon Gonzalez was okay, but uh, you know when he's your number two starter, that's not really a good sign. So um, I think Quintana will be dealt you know, at some point this year, and I will be happy to see him leave the division. And, um, yeah, the bullpen, again, other than, you know, Robertson, he actually got hit around a little bit in the World Baseball Classic, which, you know, he's a solid solid closer, but there's, there's not really much else there in the bullpen, kind of just like the Twins' bullpen, a lot of no-namers.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, like we said, Bakota's got him at seventy six wins. Uh, I have seventy three. You have seventy two. So we all seem to kind of agree on that. I definitely think this is one team. We talked about the Twins earlier. We don't. You and I both really don't see any possible way they could maybe get seventy five max. We don't really see any way the Twins. Can approach the Pachota ridiculous thing, but I think Pachota is not too far off on on this one. Jake, I could see this White Sox team if they got off to a really good start and kept the team together. If they were in it and kept Quintana, maybe Rodon came back healthy, a couple bullpen arms really matured. You know, they've got some good young studs in the minor leagues as, as we talked about. I mean, I, I would say there's an outside chance this could be a 500 baseball team that has an outside chance of competing. Would you Would you agree they at least have a semi ceiling as compared to the Twins?
0: I think so. Yeah, I mean, not, it, it's not out of the complete question. If you know those guys get hot in the middle of their order, you know and they're able to put some runs together, and uh, you know maybe Derek Holland can find something. Maybe Shields can get back to at least you know okay, <laughs> and actually give them some innings. It, it would take a lot, again, but it, it's not as unlikely as it is for the Twins. I think that uh, things could, be, if they, everything went right for this team, you know they could be a little bit better than expected.
1: Now, third place. In the American League Central, I'm going to guess you have the Detroit Tigers. Am I right? That is correct. Yep. Uh, okay, now I actually agree with Pakota on the nose. It was funny because I looked up Pakota afterwards, but I've got the Tigers the same record as Pakota, 79 and 83. Your thoughts?
0: Um, I have got them at 81 and 81. So we're, we're kind of right around the same area there with the Tigers.
1: Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I'll we'll start with their offense, I guess. I, I think this is an offense that. I mean it's there's no analysis needed here it's it's got the potential to score a lot of runs that's obvious mm-hmm. um, you know but surprisingly Jake you look back at last year they were only 6th in runs scored with all those big bats you know which you know they probably got a little unlucky and is is a part of it but b they can't run they're not very athletic so some of that's right. not surprising but i mean cuz they were second in team ops last year so they were hitting the ball the long ball you know plugging gaps doing a pretty good job of getting on base but when you can't run you know, some of that, especially when you play in a big, big park like that with big gaps, I would assume some of that is due to that. But you would think that, you know, they got a little unlucky last year. We, we've got the usual suspects here, Miggy, uh, J.D. Martinez, of course, will start uh, the season in the DL miss about the first month with a sprained foot. That will hurt a little bit. But, you know, when he gets back, you got Miggy and J.D. and Kinsler and Victor and Upton and uh, Castellanos and some of these other guys, uh, Jake. So, you know, as far as Detroit's offense, your thoughts?
0: I mean, it's it's a scary lineup. It is. And when all those guys are clicking and all of them are healthy, it's it's a tough lineup. And, um, you know, it's the only thing I think preventing them is the, just the injuries. And I think a lack of depth on this team, too. If anybody goes down, they're in trouble. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, Kinsler was – I don't know how much you watched the WBC, but he was pretty incredible for the United States team. I think he'll probably start the season off swinging a hot bat. And, uh, you know, it'll just be, you know, if J.D. Martinez can get healthy and, uh, you know, Miggy stays healthy all year, I think still the lineup could be uh, very solid and they could be right in it at the end.
1: This just seems like a team, though. And I I think we've said this every single year. And Cabrera's always hurt. The the guy guy can never walk somehow, Mm -hmm. but he he plays like 150 games every year. It just doesn't just seem like Jake... I mean, you've already seen. I mean, JD is still pretty young, so him missing time is not a big deal. But, I mean, and Kensler's in his prime, and Upton, Cassiano. I mean, they're not super old. I mean, they're not, you know, pushing walkers to the ballpark or anything. But don't you think between Miggy and Victor Martinez, I mean, doesn't it just seem like one of those guys is going to eventually have a really bad, like, you know blow out a hamstring or aCL it just seems like one of those guys is due for a, a big injury, knowing how they're always banged up i mean i'm not, I'm not hoping that on them I'm not predicting that i'm just saying right. I'm just saying that's one of the things you have to look at when predicting the tigers
0: yeah and, and there's been so many close calls you know with Mizzi over the years it seems like if you know once a month something goes wrong and you think he's hurt and you know just something minor but uh yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he spent some time on the d l this year same with victor Martinez It's just these guys just struggle to stay healthy. Even Upton too. I mean, we'll see. Um, but they're going to have to. This whole lineup's going to have to stay healthy for them to be able to stay competitive all year.
1: Now, pitching wise, um, I would say that the Tigers' pitching rotation is the upper end of mediocre. You know, I would call them. I would not call them good, but I would not call them. I, they're probably slightly above average. Of course, it comes down to Verlander. Um, but last year you look at their uh, pitching was not great. They were 11th with a 4.24 era in the league Jay, you know Jay Verlander bounced back nicely. Obviously, Jake Michael Fulmer is a complete up and coming stud, one of the most exciting pitchers uh, with the ability he has to miss bats. Although, you know, I know he's trying to not miss as many bats and trying to, you know, pitch to contact, which the 90s Royals found out does not work well. <laughs> but, you know, he's trying to go deeper into games. But, you know, you, you got some decent possibilities behind him. Again, nothing real sexy, but I mean, you got Daniel Norris, a guy that you can't help but pull for with his story. Um, Jordan Zimmerman, uh, a favorite of ours, Michael Boyd. Um, is in the in the in the fray, and then Anibal Sanchez, so one or two of those guys will end up in the bullpen. But kind of your thoughts on the, on the Tigers' rotation?
0: Well, yeah, and they just announced today Boyd's going to be their fifth starter, which I'm a little surprised by. Apparently, he had a really good spring, but he's a guy that we have uh, had some really nice success against over the last couple of years. As
1: has him, a lot of other guys in the league.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I don't mind seeing him in the. Uh in that rotation, and Annabelle Sanchez is going to be in long relief. But uh, I, I do like the front end of the rotation. You know, Zimmerman can stay healthy. You know, Verlander uh, was solid last year. They'll need that again. And then Fulmer, you know, it's hard to imagine, even though I think he is an up-and-coming star, him having the type of numbers that he had like last year. Um, we'll see if he goes through that sophomore slump or not. But I, I do like this rotation. And um, if everyone stays healthy, I, I think that at least the top half could be solid. Yeah, I don't know about Boyd.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's—I really do think that's like the definition of of average to slightly above average when you look at their rotation for the league. Now the bullpen really does nothing for me. K. Rod mediocre last year. You got kind of surprised they sent down Joe Jimenez. Um, that's a guy that threw in the WBC that they expect big things from at the back end of the rotation. Sent back to the minors. Any any thoughts on their uh, on their bullpen? Um. Yeah.
0: You know, it's it's pretty similar. Uh, looks like they'll have Shane Green in there again. I K. Rod was last year nothing special um it'll be just interesting to see you know we, we I remember last year at this time we talked about just how horrible the bullpen was and uh it's I don't think it's at that level anymore but it's still not um not a bullpen that you're going to be afraid of when the starters come out
1: yeah this, this to me is a team like they said Bakota 79 83 that's what I have you have you said 81 right or 82 I forget I got him at
0: 81,
1: 81. 81. yeah this this to me really is a five hundred team like this is and I know a lot of people say that about the Royals for the experts we'll talk about that in a second, but this is what you call really a five hundred team you've got a good offense you've got You know, uh, almost good rotation. You've kind of got mediocre on D or below average on defense, I should say. Mediocre bullpen. It's it's, and with injury question marks on there. This to me is just a five hundred team written all over it. So it's a team I could see the White Sox competing with, possibly because the White Sox are younger and have more upside than this uh, Tigers bunch probably does. Unless Detroit goes and adds pieces later on in the year, since they're in a little bit of a bigger market and different situation. But those are my thoughts. I agree that that's a you know the, the. It's cool that we both agree on the three, four, five. In the division this year. Now, here's where it gets interesting, Jake, because I'm just gonna tell you right now and and I'm gonna give you reasoning. I'm not I don't have the blue goggles on I mean I do have mom, but not completely. All right. So (laughs) I I would I just wanna put it out there right now, Jake. I have got the Kansas City Royals winning the AL Central and I'm very confident about it. Do you agree with me or do you have Cleveland in first? I agree with you. Do you really? (laughs) Are you serious?
0: I've got them separated by one game. So do I. I with
1: you, <laughs> oh, holy hell! All right, let's talk about this here. I've got uh, I've got the Indians. well sorry, I've got them by two games. I've got the Indians at eighty-eight and seventy-four, and I have the Royals at ninety and seventy-two. What do you have for those two teams?
0: I've got the Indians exactly at eighty-eight and seventy-four, and I've got the Royals
1: at eighty-nine and seventy-three. Wow. Okay. So we're the dead same on Cleveland, and one game off on the Royals. I will tell you, Jake, you'll love this. pacoda has got Cleveland at ninety-two and seventy, which I'm not going to laugh at. That's doable. And then they've got the Royals. You're going to love this. 71 and 91. <laughs> how how are the Royals 20 games under 500? Yet yeah, let's go through this for a second, Jake. The Twins supposedly are going to win 78, according to Pachota, with Kyle Gibson, Irvin Santana, Phil Hughes. I mean, so they're going to win. <laughs> Tyler Duffy. You know, they're going to win 78 games, right? And then the White Sox are going to win 76 with, yeah. But uh, that's laughable. <laughs> I digress. Seventy-one and ninety-one. Well, let's go through second place, Cleveland. Then I'm glad you have it this way, actually, because I was confused how we were going to go through this if you had uh, Cleveland in first. But yeah, so second place, Cleveland, and and we'll talk about this team a little bit more than we have the other ones. Um, you know, the, the media, the majority of the national media, uh, you know, would just see assume that we just pencil them in as AL Central champs, right, Jake? It's already over, right? They already won the division, right? <laughs> yep, that's
0: that's what they're saying, at least.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, and you read the reasoning is well. They added Edwin Encarnacion. Okay, well, you know, Mike Napoli wasn't exactly a pushover last year. First yeah. of all, so well, will Encarnacion. He was ma- yeah, he was great. I mean, so will Encarnacion make them better than Napoli? Maybe. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, probably he's probably marginally going to be at least, at least marginally better. But I mean, let's it, not act like Napoli was a pushover, and they, you know, it's not like they went uh-huh. from, you know, I don't know, Ross Glowed to, 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 to Edwin Encarnacion. I didn't-
0: and Napoli was a key to their clubhouse too, and to their mentality. Right. I mean, he he was a leader on that team, so I think he brought more to the table than just what he brought on the field. Be
1: careful, Jake. You're going to make the sabermetrics people mad. The of people mad. <laughs> they it's don't
0: they t- don't factor that in. Do they? No, that,
1: that's an intangible. That doesn't. These are robots we're talking about. There's no such thing as leadership and playing together, and they're just robots. Or you know, right. You know. So just remember that, Jake. So no, but to be real, Edwin Encarnacion is definitely a nice addition. You know. I would have liked to have seen yep. him not go in the L Central. So yeah, I'm not going to downplay that's a, that's a really nice signing for Cleveland. He's going to add to the already potent offense. Let's go through this here. We got you know some really good bats, Jake. I mean, you look at the top of that order. You've got uh, well, Kipnis will begin the season on the DL. They don't expect him to miss more than a couple weeks max. And then you've got um, Lonnie Chisenhall on the DL as well. But you know, eventually when that team gets healthy, you're going to have the top of the order. Going to have Lindor up there. You're going to have Kipnis up there. You're going to have Santana up there. Um, and then of course you're going to have Brantley probably in the 3-hole, assuming he's healthy Uh, but you know I I would assume they're going to put Encarnacion in the 4-hole, and I mean it's a pretty good lineup when you look at Jose Ramirez will probably be hitting in the 6-hole and the kind of year Jose Ramirez had last year Um, I definitely think Michael Brantley is a sleeper pick for MVP, if he is 100% that's a big if, but you know let's talk about their offense, Jake, I mean how do you, first of all, how do you anticipate Edwin Encarnacion doing, getting out, out of that dome, getting into Cleveland? I mean, Cleveland still is a pretty good place to hit, but I mean, do you expect any drop off from him, or do you think he's pretty much what he is? I mean, do you think the Cleveland lineup stacks up against Toronto, Will he'll get enough protection? I'm assuming yes.
0: Yeah, I think so, and I, I don't think his numbers are probably going to take much of a dip, you know, even playing in Cleveland. The guy is a monster, and uh, it's really unfortunate to see him in their lineup and have to play that, that many times, but... um. The lineups—it's stacked. If if everyone's healthy, you I know, I, I agree with you on Brantley. If he's a hundred percent, you know, I may he may start off a little slow. You know, he hasn't seen probably any actual live in-game pitching in about a year, or maybe a little more than a year now. But um, I still think that he'll probably bounce back and have a solid year. And really, the only question—I mean, I just wonder if Jose Ramirez can actually do what he did last year. Agree. He was, you know, fantastic last year. He was the key to their team. And um, I, well, it'll be interesting to see how he does this season. But uh, you know, we already know all about Lindor and Kittness and Santana. Uh, Lindor is just an absolute stud at short. I think he's going to be a monster this year too. So it's it's a solid lineup. There's not an easy out in it.
1: Yeah, and speaking about, I, I, I like that you brought up Ramirez because he was one of the more underrated pieces and a guy that had a monster career year last year for Cleveland. And I did speak with an unnamed uh you know pitcher we'll say this offseason who went over Jose Ramirez with me in depth and you know cuz I had an argument with this guy about a year and a half ago I told him that Ramirez was a really good player and he's like no he's got holes in his swing it's easy to get him out blah blah I think a lot of people are going to figure him out according to some things I've heard this winter so I would I would not bet on Jose Ramirez having another big year and, and one of the questions you might ask us you might say well how do you have the Royals ahead of this team we'll talk more about the Royals later but when I look at a couple of the question marks on Cleveland I think they do have plenty of them number 1 is injuries. You know, we'll talk about their pitching as well, but their couple starting pitchers are, are question or not questionable, but have questionable injury past. I mean, one of them's already got a sore elbow. You look at Brantley, can't stay healthy. Kipnis is already hurt. Chisholm Hall's hurt. Um, Carlos Santana is getting towards the end of his career. Um, so you know, in a, you know, Jose Ramirez is he really going to do what he did last year? So I don't think, you know, I don't think Cleveland. Well, let me ask you a question, Jake. Is Cleveland automatically better than Detroit's lineup?
0: Um, I don't think so necessarily, and, and again, injuries are going to play probably a role here. And honestly, that's one of the biggest factors I have, I think, in who's going to win the division between the Royals and the Indians is who's going to have more injuries. Whichever team is whichever team stays healthier is probably going to win the division. So, um, you know, yeah, as far as Detroit's lineup and Cleveland's, I mean, they're both they're pretty similar in the way I look at them. You know, especially starting the season, I mean, you know, the three, four, five for Detroit is just is not more scary than Cleveland. So. Um, it, it's going to be interesting, yeah, to see if the, all these guys can stay healthy. It's not a good start when you've already got two to three guys possibly on the DL in the lineup. So yeah, we'll see what happens.
1: Now, rotation wise, obviously, if they're healthy, they're the best rotation in the American League, possibly in all of baseball, but certainly in the American League. Um, Corey Kluber. Carlos Carrasco, who's already had some elbow pain early on, who missed playoff time last year, as did Danny Santana, who's in the rotation, Josh Tomlin, Trevor Bauer. I'm, Josh Tomlin, to me, is one of the most lucky pitchers in the majors. You know, I kind of you know ma- made a little jab at Sabermetrics a little bit earlier, but if you look at some of his things, XFIP, some other things, he is a guy that got fairly lucky. The contact rate tells me he got a little lucky last year. I'm not totally sold on Josh Tomlin. Trevor Bauer... I mean, who knows when the guy's going to fly a drone and cut a finger off? But
0: <laughs> no, but I mean, interesting guy.
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't know that the four or five in that rotation is better than the Royals. I mean, you look at uh, Vargas and and uh, and Carnes. I think certainly could be just as good. Um, you know, or, or if you put in Wood or whoever it is, I think certainly could be just as good. As, you know, make that a wash. There, um, I'm not completely sold that Corey Kluber is going to ever have the year he had a couple years ago, and I think he's getting towards the back end of his peak. Um, I think Danny Duffy could easily match up with Corey Kluber and make that a wash. And you look at Carrasco and Santana; one of them is bound to probably go down with the, you know, uh, with the injury history, the recent history, and the already sore arm and elbow and in, in spring training. And I think Ian Kennedy is very underrated for what he does. We'll talk about this in a bit. And and Jason Hamill is kind of a wild card as well. But I mean. I'm not. I, I admit that if Cleveland's healthy, their rotation is better than the Royals. I'm not trying to say the Royals have as good of a rotation, but I'm just saying telling you there are some question marks there because I'm trying to explain why I say Cleveland is going to slam dunk to win the division and why I don't think they will. And, and the, you know the main two guys that I thought really overperformed last year, Jake, were Ramirez and Tomlin. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I agree completely, and also I think the Royals have a lot more depth in starting rotation this year than Cleveland does. So. The Royals can afford, you know, guy, if a guy goes to the DL for 15 days or something, where Cleveland, I don't think they can necessarily do that. They're going to need that whole rotation to stay healthy throughout the year for it to be, you know, productive. So, uh, yeah, I don't think it's really as far off as uh, the people are thinking as far as how the rotations compare to each other.
1: Now, Cleveland's bullpen profiles better right now on paper than the Royals. You've got Andrew Miller. Hopefully, he'll blow a save many times this year like he did the WBC. But you've got Andrew Miller back there. You've got Cody Allen. You've got Brian Shaw. you got Boone Logan, who's like 170, it seems like. Um, but, I mean, so they've got some real nice pieces there at the back end of the rotation. And, of course, they've got a great manager. Terry Francona is Amongst the best I've ever seen at managing a bullpen, it does get kind of annoying when he does it. Him and AJ Hinch, when they're down eight in the eighth inning, it gets annoying. They're playing matchups then, but you know, overall, Jake, he's he's a great manager as far as handling pitching. Uh, the bullpen. Are you are you sold that these guys are going to continue to do what they've been doing? Because as most teams find out, the shelf life on relievers is typically not more than a few years.
0: You know, I'm actually, you know, I, I think it's a solid bullpen still, but I'm, I'm slightly concerned after watching Andrew Miller pitch in WBC. I don't think he's hurt right now, but, you know, his velocity was down a little bit. He was having a lot of control problems, and it could just be because this is, you know, normally spring training and that's how it goes for him, and that very well may be, may be the case. But with all the innings he threw last year and stuff and just seeing that, um, it'll just be interesting to see if his arm holds up the whole year or not because he's obviously the key to that bullpen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cody Allen, Brian Shaw, nice pieces as well, Boone Logan. We'll see what happens there. But, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of veterans on the Cleveland team, and there's some guys that I thought really overachieved last year. So we'll see. I I do think it'll be a neck and neck race all year, and I think both the Royals and Indians will have to get fat on the twins and to a degree the White Sox as well. But getting now to the Royals, Jake, which Pakota has at seventy one and ninety one. You said you have them at eighty nine and seventy three and I'm ninety and seventy two, right?
0: Yep. All right. That's correct.
1: Let's, let's start. we got a lot to go over here. Let's, I'm going to ask you a lot of questions because you were out there. I did not make it up to surprise this year, but you did. Um, but let's start with the offense here. So The Royals, 13th in runs last year, Jake. One thing I think we both agree on that we have to say from the start here, number one is before we get to the bullpen, the bullpen's not going to be as good as it was last year. Right? In my honest opinion, the Royals are probably going to have a league-average bullpen heading into the year, uh, at least on paper. We'll see what happens there. But um, the starting pitching, to me, mean, is going to be pretty good. Um, I, I expect it to be kind of up with the Tigers there, kind of on the upper end of mediocre or upper, upper end average to the lower end of good. Probably on paper is how I view the Royals' rotation at this moment. The offense is going to have to do a lot better than 13th in runs last year, Jake, for the Royals to get to the 89 or 90 wins uh, that we're looking at. I think probably a top seven uh, run-producing offense is going to be the bare minimum for this offense. Agree?
0: I would agree, yeah, and I, I think the offense will be much better. I really like this lineup this year. Um, you know, the only really concerning thing we've had in, in spring has is, is been Soler just being, you know, striking out in almost half of his at-bats this spring and now has the oblique injury that may put him on the DL at the start of the season. But uh, luckily, Paulo has been, he is swinging a red-hot bat this spring. So that's a good sign. If he, hopefully he can continue what he did last year. But I, I think the offense is going to be much better Um, you know, I think it all starts with getting on base and (laughs) hopefully a lot of these guys have been working hard, uh, this spring on, you know, seeing more pitches throughout their bats because they've got to walk more. Yeah. I mean, 382 walks as a team last year, that was 42 fewer than any other MLB team. That's bad. And and it's just, yeah, you've, you've got to, these guys have got to start taking walks. Salvi has got to be more selective, you know, in in his few at bats in the WBC as well as uh, early on in spring training, he was seeing a lot more pitches, which is a good sign. But it's not just him. It's all these guys. They, they have got to be more patient at the plate, and that's, I think, going to be the key to them uh, you know, and to this team scoring a lot more runs.
1: Agree. And let's kind of go through some of the guys here. In my mind, Jake, the Royals have four key offensive additions. You might say, wait a minute, four. Well, let's go over this. So they, they lost Kendris Morales. Um, mm mm-hmm. So, you know, that's really the only major loss to the offense. Now, let's start off with one of the four I'm talking about. Brandon Moss uh, will take over primarily as the club's everyday DH. I suppose it's possible we see him a bit in the outfield, especially uh, depending on how long Solaire is out for. He doesn't play a great defensive outfield. But uh, what did you see from Brandon Moss out in Arizona, and what are you expecting out of him this year?
0: Um, He, he got off to a slow start at the plate in Arizona, but uh, if you've been watching this past week, he is – really heated up in fact earlier today he hit one out of surprise stadium which i'm not sure has ever happened i don't know if you saw that highlight he hit it over the tent out in right center field (laughs) i love it so uh, he he, he's got some serious power and uh he's really been heating up this past week it'll be interesting to see his defense is not the best but i think raul Mondesi winning the second base job honestly will actually help him out there because having that much more range he can play a little bit deeper in the outfield and i think that'll help him out so Modesty, yeah. Modesty if seconds is really going to help out. We can talk about that in a little bit for the range for this defense. But, you know, I like what I've seen from Moss the last couple, you know, weeks. He's, uh, he's a streaky hitter. I think we'll find that out that he's going to have some months where he is, you know, red hot and he's going to have some stretches where he is striking out like crazy. That's kind of just what you get with him. So, uh, I think he's gonna be a solid addition though in the lineup
1: this year. Yeah, a guy that completely fell on his face the last month, month and a half of yeah, the season. It's it, it's had he not historically
0: bad. Yeah,
1: had had September. he not had he not done that, he would not be here though, because he would have gotten a lot more money um in right. free agency. So, you know, worked out good for the Royals, hopefully. Now Jorge Soler is the second of the four quote unquote additions I'm talking about. You mentioned him a bit striking out an
0: awful lot. First of all, Jake, I mean, a
1: freak of a of a man. doesn't he remind yeah. you a bit of Bo Jackson?
0: Yes, he really does. He he is he looks like a guy who should be you know playing linebacker for an NFL team. He is he is a big man.
1: <laughs> yeah, so a lot a lot of strikeouts though, and a guy that we'll hope uh, can do a little bit more. Um, Soler last year seven sixty nine OPS, twelve home runs, and eighty six games. Pretty good, and uh, you know, just 25 years of age as of last month. So he just turned 25 a few weeks ago. The Royals, of course, have him for four more years. Um, the possibility of of you know, I believe restructuring a contract after this year if he does really well. But they've got him in a club control for quite a while. I mean, Solaire defensively, Jake. I mean, you know, he's got a plus arm, and the range is not great out there. Maybe some banana routes from time to time. Did you see much of him defensively?
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, he's. I wouldn't say that he's. He's not even probably an average defender. He's probably slightly below average, but it's not really much of a difference between him and Moss. And then he has a cannon and Moss is, you know, pretty average arm out there in right field. Um, but I think they've been working hard with him to improve. And, uh, you know, with, he's been working with Rusty a lot. And I think it'll just be uh, a little bit of a learning curve out there for him. But I, as far as at the plates, you know, he really struggled this spring. He's been getting – he was getting a lot of extra minor league at-bats before he uh, – went down with the injury, so, you know, I've heard that it's nothing new, that he always has struggled in the spring a little bit, so maybe it's just one of those guys who just needs a lot more at-bats before the season starts, so yeah, um, starting the season on the DL, obviously not ideal for a guy who needs, you know, at-bats, but um, we'll just have to see, you know, um, it's, it's nice that we've, he's going to develop, I think, over the years, and uh, he just needs every day at-bats, I think. That's yeah. probably the most important thing for him
1: a guy that uh, probably we see towards the end of April, I would assume. he'll need. Uh, you know, He's also had a history of injuries in addition to slow starts, and so he, I know he's had oblique and, and muscle issues before. So it's, it's a thing where the Royals will probably take it really slow with him, maybe one of those things where you think he's ready, okay, let's wait one more week before we put him back out there and, and get him back up. No real rush with the way Paulo's been swinging and, and Moss. The Royals can probably hold down in the short term. But I do think Soler is, is probably key uh, you know, to get going, to get this offense where it needs to go. Now, the third addition, Jake, is Mike Moustakis. Moose played in only 27 games last year, uh, an 801 OPS, seven jacks in that time. So you do the math. He was easily pacing for a 30-plus home run season, 800 OPS, the way he has leadership out there. Uh, uh, you know, your thoughts on Moose offensively and, and how concerned, if concerned at all, should we be on his defense? Because it seems like he's making the air almost every day out there <laughs> in surprise.
0: Yeah, his defense has been a problem this spring, and you know, he's been on the shelf for a little bit with the injuries, so he he uh, hadn't seen everyday work, and I think it's just getting those reps in again, but um, as far as the plate, you know, he, he looks just fine. He's been swinging a good bat uh, the last couple weeks. The power is definitely there, and um, I think it's just for him getting back into baseball shape. I mean, the, uh, the fir- first day I was down there and I saw him, I, I barely recognized him. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a bad weight that he's put on necessarily, but he, he's put on. Pro- I would assume 10 to 15 pounds this off season or since we last saw him, and a lot of this also is muscle in the upper body. He's just he's got a big upper body right now, but uh, hopefully that'll help him hit even more home runs. So uh, I think he's going to have a solid year offensively. Slightly concerned about his uh, defense at third base right now, but but I think you know he may see a slow start to the season at third, and I think as he gets those reps, he'll be just fine.
1: The fourth edition, Jake, is Alex Gordon, because I expect a much better season out of Alex Gordon this year. And that's one of those things you could say, well, you know, how can you predict uh, injuries or You know, question marks for Cleveland, and then turn around and say that you think Alex Gordon's going to turn. So I get that. I mean, there are certain things that have to go right for both clubs, but I do think it's a fairly safe bet that Alex Gordon will rebound. Last year, he did hit a pretty solid amount of home runs. 128 games. Don't forget, he missed about a month, and he did hit 17 home runs. So that's you know probably 22, 23 home runs if he's playing. Uh, the full season. So the Royals can deal with that. 20-plus home runs out of left field. His OPS is going to have to get a lot better. Six nine two last year. He's got to get that back up closer to 800 in the 770s the bare minimum. you going to have to start walking more as you said. And the strikeouts with him are becoming a huge concern. The strikeouts have always been there for him throughout his career. He's also a guy that's going to strike out more because he's a guy who sits on his pitch, is, is pretty selective and waits for his pitch and is willing to kind of take the pitches he's not looking for more so than a lot of guys. So he does have a plan up there at the plate, which you Can see uh, more so than a lot of people who are up there just swinging away. So he will always strike out a bit more. Of course, the converse part of that is if he starts guessing right, um, you know, he's hitting balls quite a bit. I I don't want to call him a guess header because he's not a guess header, but he has a very clear plan up there at the plate so your thoughts on Gordon this year I mean I guess we'll know this year you know he's getting to the point of his career hitting 32 and you know getting towards the the twilight I guess in a couple more years here I guess we'll probably know this year Jake if, if he's ever going to rebound to what he was if last year was a fluke or not
0: I think so and, and he's one guy I'm pretty confident is going to bounce back just when you see how hard the guy works you know he he owned up to everything about last year and was so frustrated with his play but I think he's you know, worked as hard as ever this off season. of course, is in incredible shape. We, we know that. But it's always amazing to see him the first day of camp when he's back and just is <laughs> – you can tell he hasn't taken a day off the whole off offseason. Um, but but he's a guy, you know, he's been solid in the spring training. Of course, he always did pretty well in the spring. But his swing looks good. You know, I love the way he works the count. I'm excited about the possibility of him hitting leadoff. That's pretty much what Ned has pretty much done everything except confirm that he's going to hit leadoff on opening day. I, I think him working the count, he's exactly the type of guy you want up there. He's going to actually take pitches, you know, and uh, and get, get a good bat in. So I, I'm excited about what Gordon can do. I think he's going to bounce back. And I think he's going to show off some power this year, too.
1: I, I totally agree with you. I, to me, you look at this lineup. I mean, you look at last year and you get back to why it's laughable that somebody would call the Royals a 71 win team or Vegas open the line at 74.5. This team went 81 and 81 with the 13th ranked pitching last year. 81 and 81 and an off, or sorry, not pitching, 13th ranked offense, I'm sorry, last year. So 81 and 81 with the 13th ranked offense. The offense was pretty anemic for about half of the season last year. And to me, you're, you're losing a little bit with Morales, but I would say Moss you know, probably makes up 85% of that at least. And you can't assume that Morales is going to duplicate this year. To me, Solaire should be an upgrade uh, over what you got out of Dyson or Orlando, whoever you had in right field last year, assuming he is pretty much what we think he is. And then you get back Moose is going to hit for a lot more power. Cuthbert did a nice job filling in, but Moose gives you a lot more power, and I think Gordon will be a lot better in left. Then you add in Jake on top of that, guys playing in contract years. There's a lot of motivated guys out there playing with each other, A, for the last time. This is the last time they're guaranteed to play together, and they want to be in the same the whole year so they can stick it out. And B... You guys are playing for contracts. They're playing for big money. So not that they need any extra motivation, but you're a little bit extra right. locked in. So, I mean, to me, Jake, I just, to me, the ingredients are there. I think Mondesi will be a big upgrade at second base. I think he'll be able to really steal a lot of bases. I think he's got some gap power. I think he will be a, a nice, I, I think the Rails are improving all over the field is what I'm saying. Third base will be better this year. Second base will be better this year. Right field will be better this year. And, and some of the key guys hopefully will bounce back, you know, left field and, and, and so on.
0: I agree, yeah. And as far as the defense, I think, especially when Paulo's out there in right field, I think it's the best defense in baseball. I mean, Modesty at second is, he is so good. I mean, he, he won the position this year with his bat in the spring, but everyone knows what he can do. He is phenomenal with the glove out there at second. I think he's going to bring a spark to this team with his speed and, and his defense. And I just think overall, I mean, yeah, I, I really like this lineup. Even, you know, even when Lair, even if he is hurt at the start of the year, I, I think Paulo is, you know, he, he is, the way he swung the bat this spring has been incredible. His bat speed, that's also what I noticed with him, I mean, he looked like a completely different guy at play this spring with his bat speed. You know, he's, his struggles have been just identifying the off speed pitches, which he's done much better at this spring. So I'm really excited about what this lineup can do, I think. And then people also forget about Lorenzo Kane. I think he was hurt. Well, he was hurt for part of the year last year, but I think he was hurt pretty much the whole season. I think he's going to bounce back. You know, he's on a contract year, too. And to have a pretty solid year in the three-hole for this lineup,
1: you're right. I mean, you're right. You're exactly right. I mean, there's so many places in the field that are in contract years that are you know guys coming off injuries or guys that had nagging things going on last year. I just, I just, I, I'm really confident. I mean, let's remember this is the same core that won that went to -to back-to-back World Series and won a World Series. Jake, name me the only team, Jake, that's been to two of the last three World Series.
0: Kansas City
1: Royals. Yeah, so how is this team being slept on? Not only by Pocotto, I can get over that because that's been going on for quite a while, but the National Riders, I see 81 wins, I see 78, I see 83, I see 76. I just I don't understand how Cleveland is automatically written in. I think the Royals are a much better defensive team then Cleveland is. I think the Royals lineup is probably a half step below Cleveland's lineup, but I think the Royals rotation could be in the neighborhood of Cleveland's if Cleveland suffers an injury, and I think the Royals bullpen could compete there. And the Royals have the intangibles. I mean, Cleveland may win the division, but it ain't going to be by a lot.
0: Yeah, I agree, and, and and you know, I I agree that our bullpen is is obviously not near what it has been the past few years. But I think people are sleeping on Matt Strom, and don't realize how good that guy is and how good he could be this year. And uh, what a weapon he could be. is He can go multiple innings if needed. So I think the bullpen is going to surprise some people. I think Soria will bounce back and at least have a decent season. But I think with Soria, Strom, and Herrera, you're fine on the back end of that bullpen. So even that, I mean, I, for me, I just—I don't think that the the writers and everyone who's predicting us, you know, really looked at why we went with 500 last year, didn't really look at the – they overlooked the injuries, you know, the problems with the rotation and, and the lineup. And I, I just think – we were extremely overlooked. They don't realize that this is the same core that's won the World Series, and they have even more parts this year. Yeah. So, I and and I even this even this starting rotation. I mean, I think this is a better rotation than what the Royals had in 2015 when they won the World Series. At least at the start of the year.
1: Yeah. No, I'm totally with you. We'll get to pitching here in two seconds. I have a couple defensive questions I want to ask you before we get there. So we both the grades still a, a way above average, if not the best. Definitely in the, in the elite, you know, top five, top three range as far as defenses in baseball. Assuming they're healthy, that is. You know, there's what is there, Jake? One position on the field that's below average, right field? That would be it, right?
0: Yeah, I think so. And that was the only thing I was worried about with the defense was when you know at the start of the spring we were like, all right, who's going to play second base? Is it going to be Witt? Is it going to be Cologne? I was thinking, well, we're only going to have average at best defense at second base, but now that Mondesby has had a phenomenal spring and won the job, I mean, right field's the only position that's average to below average, depending on who's out there. But even with Paulo, I think you have an above average right fielder. Yeah. So I I think the defense is just going to be fantastic. I, I I can't think of one that's better than this one. And
1: defense is a big reason why and one thing, Bakota, you know, I've read guys talk about they can't quantify that quite as well. There's certain things. Defense is very tough. The metrics are there, but they're not real reliable. I mean, you look at some of the things that say Hosmer is the worst defensive first baseman. Obviously, that's a joke. Obviously, could he be overrated a little bit? Possibly, but he certainly is not the worst defensive first baseman out there. So I think that's a, a, a big thing. I mean, the Royals are much better defensively than Cleveland. That's a big thing for the Royals. And I don't think, you know, like you said, Strom will get to the bullpen in a Second, but Strom could really help this Royals bullpen if Herrera becomes who he is. He struggled a bit in the spring, but if he goes back to what he is, um, you know, I wouldn't say Miller is that much better, if at all, better than Herrera. I think Strom could match up with some of those guys Cleveland has. I'm not. I just, I just don't see it, Jake. I don't see how Cleveland is that much better, if any, better than the Royals. So, a couple of uh, questions uh, defensively, I wanted to ask you. Um, the main one is if Kane goes down with an injury. Is Orlando the backup center field, or do you think he can play this on a 15, 20, 30, 40 day in a row streak? Or does Billy Burns get the everyday call in center field?
0: Um, that's a good question. I think they probably maybe split a little bit of time, but I think probably Paulo is going to get center field. I mean, they've, they've put Paulo out there in center a lot this spring. Pretty much anytime Kane comes out of the game, he usually will slide over to center. And he's even started some games in center. And Paulo got a lot of experience last year in center. I think people forget. So I, I think it would be Paulo and then Billy Burns would probably be up on the roster to play center, you know, one day a week or so, or be the backup. But I think Paulo can handle center.
1: Look in your crystal ball, Jake, and tell me, assuming everyone's healthy, will Brandon Moss be good enough to play in the field once or twice a week? Or is this going to be a thing where he's pretty much just a DH? I
0: think he can play in the field. And I think it's, I wouldn't say that if it was Cologne, or or um, Witt or somebody else at second base. But I think with Montesi at second base, he can play out there a couple times a week. Because again, he just that it, it makes it where literally the guy can cover a couple extra steps, and Moss can play a little bit deeper in right field. I think he is. Uh, you know, we don't want him out there every day, but a couple days a week, I think he'll be fine out there in right field, and it won't we won't lose too much defensively.
1: Now, getting to the pitching, we'll begin with a starting pitching and, and, of course, do a rest in peace again. In a, and, and you know, your Ventura is in our thoughts, obviously. It's a very sad situation. His family and, and friends and the whole organization and all of us really are still in a mourning period. And, you know, his poor family, you can't even imagine what they're going through. So we definitely want to send our thoughts, continued thoughts, out to the Ventura family and to all the parts of Royals Nation who have been affected by the, the tragic loss. So, um, you know, with that said, a, a tip of the cap to the Glass family for a couple of reasons. I thought they handled The entire situation with dignity uh, and class did a really nice job uh, with everything honoring him from going down there with the plane to to Fan Fest and to the monument, leaving it out there at the K and just certain things they've done. I thought have been really handled very well. So and, and of course, Dayton Moore gets a lot of credit for that as well. And the whole organization. Um, so a tip of the cap on that, and also I want to give a tip of the cap to the Glass family for going out there and replacing Ventura as best they could on the field, considering the situation. It's not going to be an easy thing, but they did go out and get the best, in my opinion, best two guys, or arguably the best two guys. I guess Doug Fister is still out there, but you know they added Jason Hamill and Travis Wood, um, you know, as kind of the way to, you know, try to eat up those innings and try to give the Royals the depth they need. So uh, going through the uh, the rotation here, Jake. Um, I really like the staff. I really like them a lot. Um, you know, obviously the rotation is going to be Duffy, Kennedy, Hamill, and then Vargas and and Carnes to begin the year. So Danny Duffy, let's start by talking about him. Um, last year, twelve and three. With a 3 5 1 and 179 and two thirds inning, signed the five year, $65 million contract, which is great to have Duffman here, hopefully, for the rest of his career. Hopefully, he has another five, six, seven really good years left in him and they can all be played here in Kansas City. What do you expect out of Danny Duffy this year? Is he on the level? Uh, Since we're talking about Cleveland, is he on the same level as Corey Kluber and Santana and and even Quintana and some of these guys? Is is he up there, Jake? Is that uh, that far-fetched? Because we both know he could be there. But is it realistic that he could be in that level?
0: I think he's getting there. I I think he could be there. I don't want to say it yet because we've only seen really almost one full year of Duffy in this rotation. But, you know, Duffy is just it's so good to have that contract already signed and to have him here long term. And you just, I love the way he goes about his business. He's a gamer. Watching him pitch in the WBC was the main reason that I watched that tournament because of how, you know, how much energy and you could just tell how bad he wanted it when he was on the mound. And it also was encouraging to see that that's what you're going to get every single time he comes out for the Royals this year. I think he's going to have another solid year. I mean, he. Um, some people were talking about his, you know, velocity being down a couple of picks in the WBC. I mean, it's it's the spring. This is one of the first times he's thrown, so I'm not concerned at all about that. I think he's going to be just fine. I think he's going to have a solid year and uh, really take over as the ace of the staff.
1: Yeah, I think I think the Royals are going to need you know 200 innings out of him minimum. You have to give him 200 plus innings. They're going to need him to be that rock every five days. You know, if you look back to the, to the 2014 team for example, he needs to be James Shields. He needs to give you the innings, and, and you know, you need to know every five days you have got a pretty damn good chance at winning. So I think Danny Duffy can and will do that. Uh, you know, throwing 180 innings last year, I expect 200 out of him this year, and uh, I really think he'll be the ace, Jake, and I think he'll match up with anybody in the American League Central as far as the aces go, at least in the same ballpark where you know he could beat that guy head-to-head on any given day. Now. We mentioned Carlos Quintana earlier, in my opinion, and maybe the most underrated starter in all of baseball. I would say the second most underrated in the AL Central, because he'd be underrated in the AL Central, of course, too. But the second most underrated, I would say Ian Kennedy, is very, very underrated for what he did last year. A lot of people, a lot of Rose fans, for some reason, I don't want to call him a whipping boy because he's not, but it just seems like, oh, he gives up a lot of home runs. Oh, oh, he's... He's really struggling. Wow, what a great signing, Dayton! I'm glad we gave him five years. Well, of course, this is a potential opt-out year for Kennedy, and, and I'm not so sure he'll be here past this year. Jake, I expect another nice year out of him. When you look what pitchers are getting in the market these days, I mean, last year 195 and two-thirds innings. So he's giving you the innings. He did have a 3.68 ERA. So you got a guy with, you know, if you can get that down in the mid threes, three four five, three five, and give you 200 innings. I mean, that's pretty damn valuable, Jake. What are your thoughts on Kennedy?
0: I mean, I I love what I've seen from Kennedy this spring. You know, I I thought he was actually pretty solid last year. I mean, he does give up a lot of home runs. He needs to get those down. But he also misses a lot of bats, which me and you both love. And um, he's been – he hasn't given up a run this spring. And, I mean, I know you don't care that much about spring training stats, but for a pitcher in Arizona not giving up a run, who gives up home runs a lot, that's a sign you're doing something right in the spring. I'm really excited about what Kennedy can do this year. And, uh, you know, I thought he was even solid last year. I think he'll even have better numbers this year. And um, he's going to be a solid number, two for the staff.
1: Yeah, I think the Royals 1-2 are very good. I, I really am very comfortable about the Royals 1-2. Now, we get into kind of a few wild cards here, and every team's got question marks. I wouldn't call Jason Hamill a question mark, because you're pretty sure what you're going to get out of him in the three-hole. But let's go through him. Uh, last year, 15-10 and 10 with the Cubs, three eight three ERA, and 166-plus innings. So the 3 3 is not particularly good. That's the National League. As I always say, you add about a half-run, uh, .4, when they come over to the AL. So that would have translated probably to a 4- Four two four three, but let's also not forget he pitched at Wrigley, where a lot of times you know you got the win, making that home run hitter's paradise. I think he was actually pretty good though, if I remember. I, I forget to look at. I should have looked at the uh, at the splits before he came on, but I do think he actually was really good at Wrigley. So maybe that's not too much of a a factor in that. I feel like he was better at home and worse on the road. There's some guys like that, but um, you know, I think Jake, you're probably hoping. If he gave you hundred and sixty six last year, you're hoping for hundred and eighty innings out of him, you're hoping for a four ERA even. I mean, maybe a, a tick below, but I'm I'm being realistic, what you're expecting. I mean, is that what you'd say? Hundred eighty innings and three nine, four oh ERA?
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I'm hoping for, and I think we definitely can get it. And I think pitching at Kaufman Stadium is gonna be really good for this guy. As uh, you know, it's like pitching in Arizona not very good for this guy in the spring. Right. But uh, you know, he's he's given up a lot of home runs, but I, I think he'll be fine and um yeah pitching at the k i'm i'm excited about him I don't really know exactly what we're going to get out of him but he seems to stay healthy and he gets us a lot of innings and if he does that you know and the ERA is right around there right around the four mark i think we'll be pretty happy with what we get this year
1: yeah again we're going to score a few more runs this year you know to, to you know so but he's a, he's part of the wild card this year um you know, meaning that he's one of those guys that is just really, you don't know exactly what you're going to get out of him. You're pretty sure because he's a veteran, you're probably going to get that. But when I say I'm not sure what you're going to get, and a part of me wants to believe that, like you said, pitching at Kaufman will help him a lot. And a part of me wants to think that having an elite defense behind him, not that the Cubs are bad yeah. defensively, but having an elite defense perhaps helps a little bit more. So that's when I kind of say wild card. And my, I guess maybe this is where my heart comes into play. Maybe I'm hoping a bit more that he's a bit more than we think he
0: is. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, and um, I, I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna be pleasantly pleasantly surprised as uh, if he, he's your number four starter. I mean, this is, we're in a good situation here. I think with this rotation,
1: he could be the four too because Vargas could be considered the three. We'll go to Jason Vargas next. Now, Vargas just three starts last year, obviously, but looked damn good by the way, surprisingly in those mm-hmm. three starts. But let's not let's go back to 2014, pitched a little bit before he got the to Tommy John in 2015. But people seem to forget. Jake, how good Jason Vargas was in 2014. I mean, he you could argue he was better than, I mean, you can argue, you can say he was better, he was better than what Jason Hamill was last year. I mean, a guy that threw 187 innings for the Royals back in 2014 in the American League, a 371 ERA. So a guy that was even better than Hamill was last year. So that you've almost got a, a, you know, if you were to look at it as a 3A, 3B or a 4A, 4B, however you look at it, you've got those two guys that are really interchangeable you know, in the three-hole there of the starting rotation. But, you know, Vargas starts in the four. But, I mean, he's a guy, Jake, another guy that's kind of a wild-card thing. You know, how many innings do the Royals get out of him coming off Tommy John? I think probably regular season, 165 to 170 is probably about the furthest you want to pitch him. But, again, he's another guy pitching on a contract year, too, and he's a veteran. So, I, I'm assuming the Royals are probably going to push him a little bit more than they would a youngster.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, if we got that amount of innings you just mentioned from him, I think we would be very happy as uh – uh you know, I, I what you said about him pitching last year. He only started a couple games. You know, was on a pitch restriction last year in September. But he did look solid. He was good in every one of those outings. He's had a decent spring. I mean, actually, he actually threw seven innings. It was it yesterday or a couple of days yeah, ago? Yeah.
1: Yesterday. Is
0: pretty pretty hard to do in a spring training game when you're on the pitch limit. So that, that's what I remember most. I think about his 2014 season was how efficient some of those starts would be, where he would be going. You know, into the eighth inning, and he'd only be at 80 pitches. I mean. That, that's the type of you know Vargas when he was on in 2014 he was fantastic in our ballpark, always struggled a little bit on the road, but you know that's that's if he's if he's solid at the K, I think we'll be pretty happy with where his numbers end up at the end of the year.
1: Vargas, a guy that really knows how to miss barrels, uh, really kind of the left-handed. You know, I mean, I'm not. He's not Greg Maddox, but he's kind of like a left-handed version of of a of a you know the brain surgeon type pitcher out there. He even got the glasses to boot. I think Hubler calls him Doctor Vargas. So he really is a, a guy that knows how to pitch and a guy that knows how to miss barrels out there. Of course, we also have another guy like that out in their bullpen, Chris Young. We'll talk to about in a little bit. But your fifth uh, fifth spot in the rotation, very interesting. Here is. Nathan Carnes, a guy who kind of became a, a cancer in Seattle after they took him out of the rotation, wasn't happy about it, and let his, the front office know and his manager know there, who nobody likes, by the way, Lloyd McClendon, we talked about that last year, but... uh karnes here's a couple things about him Jake that stuck out to me 265 and a third innings in his major league career he has struck out 270 so he is a guy like we always talk about we like guys that miss bats because a you can get out of tough situations you got guy on third or second third one out nobody out you can really minimize the damage and of course less balls in play less holes, less broken back hits, less home runs, You know, much better chance you're going to throw zeros up on the board when you're not allowing guys to even put the ball in play. So anytime you've got that, you've got to be pretty excited. With that said, the other <laughs> numbers last year were not particularly encouraging, especially in a kind of pitcher's park. I think Seattle's kind of overrated as a pitcher's park. People call it this big pitcher's park. I read some article about that, how it's actually a pretty good launching pad for some of the hitters there. But 6-2 um, and two with a 5-1-5 five, five last year. Um, The thing about him, Jake, is I didn't realize, I guess, in my head, until about a month and a half ago, in my head, I thought he was like 26, 27. He's actually 29. So he's not a guy... He's still... He's a guy who's in the peak years in theory of his career. He's still young enough where he could. I mean, look at guys like Jake Arrieta, who had something click later on, who have stuff, and I'm not comparing him again to Jake Arrieta. I'm not saying he's going to be that. But there are certain guys who do have things click and really turn it on later on in their career. And it's possible with him because the the stuff's there. The strikeouts are there. You hope Dave Island can get through to him and change the scenery, a new ballpark, a great defense. But I don't know, Jake. What's his realistic upside? Are we just hoping... He's what Jason Hamill was last year, where you can get 160 innings and a four and a half ERA out of the five hole. I mean, what do you? What's your realistic upside, and what do you think will happen? Will he even be in the rotation the whole year?
0: Um, you know, that's that's a really good question, and obviously, it's going to depend on how he performs. I think I think it'll be interesting the first couple months to see just how he does in that five spot. I mean, it it kind of does remind me of when we got Wade Davis back. Um, it was 2013, yeah. When he started off in the rotation, you know, it didn't work out, and then he went to the bullpen. It was fantastic. Obviously, you know, I don't hope that happens, and who knows that could end up being the case. But you got to like what you've seen this spring. I mean, this is a guy who, despite being 29 years old, he's definitely got the stuff. I mean, he has got a power fastball, a big breaking ball, and he can strike out guys. I mean, he's been uh, he had nine nine Ks in a uh, start a couple weeks ago, so he he can miss bats, and I think he's going to be an exciting pitcher to watch and. It's really just going to be kind of, I'm not really sure what to expect from him, but I'm excited to find out what we're going to get from him and see if he can hold down the five spots for the entire season.
1: I think the key thing is if the Royals starting five did stay healthy the whole season, which of course, I, I, it's like once in a blue moon where all five guys right. like go through and don't miss starts, it's not going to happen completely. But if if they stayed relatively healthy where nobody had missed a month or two, you know, I, I do feel like the Royals have five guys there who legitimately could stay in the rotation the whole year if they were healthy. And that's not something I've felt like even in some of the recent years. So I do like the Royals rotation, Jake. I also like the depth they have. And we mentioned, uh, of course, uh, Travis Wood. And Matt Strom, as a possibility, is your sixth and seventh guys. I mean, uh, uh, a World Series team normally needs seven or eight legit starters to get through a season. So you figure the Royals have the sixth and Wood, the seventh possibly in Strom. I doubt the Royals want to move him out, but Chris Young is probably your seventh guy in line. And then, of course, there's some outside. Uh, chances, some of the guys in the minor leagues, you know, uh, outside chance. Zimmer sticks as is a, is a starter, most likely a reliever. And Stomont same thing, and some of these other guys down there. And there's also a chance the Royals could add somebody later on through trade as well. But, I mean, you, you guys feel pretty good about that depth down there, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because you have three guys who could step in if needed. And, you know, Travis Wood can step in. Chris Young can step in, Matt Strom can step in. And you'd be, you know, it's not like these are, you know, random guys you're pulling from A or something. These are guys already on your big league roster who are uh, are experienced starters. But you're going to feel good about that. You have a pretty good chance, you know, when they go out and take the mound. So I, I think we have more depth in the rotation than anybody, at least in this division. And um, I, I'm excited about that. I mean, especially because I still think Chris Young's got a little bit in the tank. And I think Travis Wood was a fantastic pickup. Yeah, I'm I think- honestly surprised the guy didn't stay in the National League because he gets to continue to hit. <laughs> yeah. because he's also a heck of a hitter.
1: <laughs> yeah. You're you're right about that, and and even you look down. I think what is the, the definition of if there's four A players, you know, guys that are too good for Triple A, not good enough for the majors, and if there's tweeners in the NBA, a guy's too good, too small to be a two or vice versa or three. You know what I'm saying? They're kind of in between. I think he's kind of that guy that's like too good for the bullpen, but not quite good enough to be a regular starter. So I think he's like the perfect kind of swing guy to have. Um, I think Woods. You can't. Uh, you, when he the Royals made that signing, that was the most fired up I've been in a long time. That to me was the kind of thing that a championship team does. And I, I, I sure. penned a tweet to my Twitter account. I think him and Hanlon. Was it the same day? It was it was close? But whenever they signed him. You know, I pinned that tweet and said, "When the Royals win the division this year, we'll look back as today as the day." So I stand behind that. It's pinned at the very top of my Twitter. You'll see it there all year. Uh, I've predicted all offseason the Royals will win the AL Central. People laugh at me. The majority of people, even Royals fans, don't believe it. I think it will happen, and I think that Travis Wood will be an awfully big uh, a part of that. Jake. Now, getting to by uh, one other thing, by the way, there's some other guys down in Omaha like. Luke Farrell's a guy I'm very intrigued about as a potential starter. I know Eric Stouts had a very good camp. I don't know that he'll stick as a starter. Or maybe they'll put him in the pen. I don't know what they're going to do with that. But there's there's enough guys down there. I don't. I wish Miguel Almonte was what he was two years ago. I don't know what happened there. That that ship may have sailed, but I guess we'll see. But the Zimmer's, the Stamonts, and on and on. There's a, a lot of nice arms down there. Underrated arms down there. For the Royals uh, in the minor league. so I, I do think the rotation's in pretty good hands for this season. Now, the bullpen, the final piece the, the preview of the roster, uh, Calvin Herrera has struggled quite a bit uh, this spring. Did you see him throw much out there?
0: A little bit, yeah, I and mean, he, he struggled just a little. He's been, you know, wild in the strike zone, which is not good. But um, you know, it, I think he'll be okay. You know, some guys just down in Arizona, you know, it takes a little bit longer for them to get going. So hopefully, we'll get the Calvin Herrera that we
1: that we know and love. Yeah. You mentioned Matt Strom, a guy that can give you multiple innings. I don't see Ned doing that much. Um, but, you know, a, a guy, like you said, Jake, that could be a premier shutdown, you know, eighth inning guy. I mean, you had the whole HDH thing a, a couple of years ago and you added in guys like Finnegan that really took it to the next level. But I do think the Royals have at least the DH part here, you know, is two thirds that I think is still there with Strom and, and, uh, and uh, Herrera. I agree.
0: I agree, yeah. I, I love Matt Strom. I, I love what I saw from this spring. I love what I saw from him all last year. Uh he's he's another guy we love who can miss bats. I mean he is um a, I think he's gonna be fantastic in that setup role this year. So I'm I'm really high on Matt Strom and uh, you know, still slightly uh, concerned about Soria but yeah. you know he's been okay this spring, so we will see what we get from Soria.
1: That was my next question, is is Joaquin Soria, because it seems like in a couple outings this year, there's always guys on base, and he's been getting out of it, which, you know, he doesn't strike out a lot of guys. He can still miss bats, but he's not a guy that you can really think is going to be able to strike his way out of things anymore like he, maybe he could at one time. So I don't know, Jake. He He may... He makes me awfully nervous, Jake. I mean, uh, tell me why I should give him a clean slate and and be positive this year. And one thing I will say to Royals fans listening is don't boo the guy at home. Especially, like, last year he got booed on opening day, I remember, that opening night game against the Mets. Like, that was the biggest joke ever. Like, let's try to stay positive, right? Do we seem to wipe the slate clean, Jake? I mean, talk me through this. Give me a mental counseling session on Soria.
0: Well, we do, yeah. And and really, it just... For Soria to be successful, he's got to start missing more bats. I mean, that that was last year. I know that there was some bad luck at times with him, but you know he's not—he wasn't striking out anybody. So you know, guys are putting the ball in play off of him, and uh, he's just got to—he's got to limit the walks. And uh, you know, hopefully the strikeout numbers will go up this year, and and we'll just see. I mean, uh, for. Saw him the first time out this spring, you know, I believe it was the second game down there in surprise, and of course he loaded the bases with nobody out immediately, <laughs> and I go, here we go again, and then he somehow efficiently gets out of that situation. Right. So, you know, just, just typical story, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think he will bounce back. I don't know if he'll be an elite guy in the pen by any means, but if he can bounce back and just, you know, have a solid year and hopefully get the strikeout numbers up, that's going to be the key for him.
1: I would really hope he can somehow I mean, oh, well, that's not true. I really hope he can be what he once was and what even what he was two years ago and stay in that role is what I mean to say. But even if not, I really hope that the leash on him will be short this year and that Ned will not hesitate to move him to the fifth and sixth inning guy when they're behind, You know, kind of like Moylan, for example, might have been last year, like a Moylan type or a Franklin Morales type. I do hope that he will be quick to make that move if he needs to, which hopefully doesn't happen. But I, if it does, I hope it's done pretty quickly. Now, getting speaking of Moylan, Great signing by Dayton Moore to get him in a minor league contract. No idea how the hell he only got a minor league contract. That was, blew my mind. But the Royals get him back. We mentioned Wood. We mentioned Chris Young, Jake. The other guy is finally out of witness protection. I, I wasn't sure if he was an actual person, if he still existed, if he was in Wyoming hiding out. Mike Miner, Jake, is going to pitch for the Royals.
0: I know. It, it, it was it was so nice to actually the second day of spring to see him actually in a Royals uniform take the mound because we really we hadn't seen that yet. And um, he's a guy we expected to help the team last year. It never happened. He got hurt. We then never heard any – we really didn't hear anything no. about him until February. Even the winter, the
1: yeah. Even in January so, they like, wouldn't talk about him.
0: Yeah, they finally said, you know, this guy's going to be part of the roster this year. And I was like, <laughs> okay, well, he had a solid spring. I mean, you know, if we got the Mike Miner who was with the Braves several years ago, we would be pretty happy. Oh, yeah. He was fantastic as a starter. I, I don't, I don't know exactly – how he'll use him in this spin, but he can obviously go multiple innings, and he's a left-hander, and um, had you know looked pretty solid this spring. So Mike Minor, yeah, in the bullpen, it'll be interesting to see exactly what his you know long relief role will be with uh with uh, what Ned will want to do with him.
1: Wouldn't shock me if him or Wood become more of a situational slash uh you know one inning guy in the, in the seventh inning or you know because obviously Strom and Soria can't pitch every day, so I could see Minor being. I feel like he's more apt to be the seventh or eighth inning guy, kind of your fallback guy, where Young's your just pure long reliever. And I, I could see, uh, yeah. you know, him, maybe Young and Moylan are kind of your garbage guys. And I could really see Minor moving into a key role with the money they're paying him and his success. There's three lefties in this pin, by the way, Jake, um, does that, you know, does that worry you at all? I mean, I guess it's a good thing. There are some decent left-handed hitters in this division.
0: Yeah, I think it's, the division that we're in, I think it is a good thing, and I think that way you can, you know, if Strom is your eighth inning guy, you can match up then earlier in the game, the sixth or seventh, you need to with, you know, um, with Wood or a minor. So I, I'm I'm not too uh, I'm not too concerned about it. I was concerned when I heard, the, you know, back a couple of weeks ago when people were talking about whether Scott Alexander would also make the uh, and yeah. which <laughs> he had a fantastic spring, but I, I think four lefties is where you get me, where I'm just confused. So. um, you know, it's too bad for Alexander because there's a lot of bulletins he would have made this year with that type of spring. Yeah, but I'm, not- I, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll see him at some point this year. So.
1: Man, the more we talk about this bullpen, the more excited I get. Because you think, let's not forget how good Brian Flynn was last year. And we can kind of laugh now because he wasn't seriously hurt falling through the roof of his barn the day before spring training. But he's probably a month away from being a guy you could see at some point in late April, early May as a possibility. He was very good last year. A guy that could even start in a pinch, Jake, We should probably throw him in the hat for a guy that come up, could come up yeah. for a few stars. Probably not long term this year because he hasn't, hasn't been built up. But, um, you know, you've got guys like Flynn. You've got guys like Kevin McCarthy who we saw last year. Andrew Edwards is on the 40. Even guys who mentioned like, uh, like Alexander is a, a nice option. I mean, they really do have some pretty good Reinforcement down there, and one thing we always talk about. One thing Dayton Moore has always been able to do since coming here is put together bullpens. He, you know, brought guys off the scrap heap like Ramon Ramirez back in the day, and Robinson Tejeda, and you know, you just go on and on. He he finds these guys and and plugs them in, and they do well. He knows how to put together a bullpen, and um, so you know, I, the more I talk about this, the more excited I am about this team. I. I Jake, this team is good. Wow, I didn't even realize how good the pen could be this year. You know, I thought—I guess I just assumed they were going to be a league average bullpen. Can we agree that the league average is kind of what the floor or what the basement is? Like kind of like if things go bad, you know. Obviously, injuries could change everything, but assuming guys are healthy, can we agree league average is probably the worst case, and and the best case would be uh, top three, maybe in the American League.
0: Yeah, I think I think absolutely barring injuries, but yeah, that that would be the floor. I mean these. The fact that this is the you know the biggest question mark for this team is a good sign because I think this is still a pretty solid bullpen, and uh, you know I'm actually Peter Moylan. I mean we briefly touched on him, but I think he's you know he's kind of a great guy to have for a matchup with right-handers too in this pen. So I'm I'm excited about it. (laughs) Yeah, it's extremely underrated.
1: Yeah, very good. Very good. Well, our last category then, or last thing we're going to do here is we have, what do we have, five things or four things? We have four categories, right? We have four categories we're going to go over. Our position player of the year, our pitcher of the year, our most improved player, and our most impactful rookie. So Jake, I will let you begin with position player of the year. Who is your choice?
0: Um, I'm gonna go with Eric Hosmer just because Me too. You know I, I <laughs> Well I guess I can start with what yeah. I wanna say about him, but but I just the guy, you know, going into the contract year, already, you know, winning, you know, the, the gold with US and being probably the best all around player on the field throughout that tournament. Um, I, I just think he's gonna have a monster year. I mean, I think he's gonna I think he may lead this team in, you know, four of the main categories. I think he's going to be have the best average. I think he's going to maybe lead this team in home runs, probably RBIs, probably on base percentage. So I, I'm just, you know, I think he's going to be a monster this year. I, it, it's it it would be I'd be very surprised if he has a down year by any means.
1: I lied by the way. We have five categories. My bad. So five categories. Okay. So I've got Hosmer as my position player of the year also, and and I'll tell you why. Later, all right. So we'll leave that. It's another category later. So position player of the year, Eric Hosmer, and we'll touch on that. We both agree on that. Now, pitcher of the year, I'll start there. Um, I'm going to go with Ian Kennedy for the pitcher of the year. Uh, 32 years old. um, You know, could opt out this year. And again, I don't like to act like these guys. Try extra hard as opposed to not trying in non contract years. But it does seem like guys seem to sometimes take their game to the next level. And it's human nature. And at my job, if I know I'm up for a raise or my contract's up on on the radio, I might try maybe 5% harder. You know, you're a little more focused and stuff like that. So, you know, I think it's human nature there. But 32 years old, I expect another big season out of him. He's a guy that quietly has been eating up innings pretty much every year. The majority of the last five years went healthy. Uh, You know, some hamstring issues and stuff a couple years ago. But 195, whatever he said earlier earlier innings last year jake i'm looking for 205 innings out of ian kennedy i'm looking for a 3-7 era and you know it doesn't really matter but 15 plus wins i think ian kennedy's your pitcher of the year and i think there's a pretty good chance he opts out of that deal that he has after this year what's your pick
0: yeah. oh i i absolutely love that and you know i'm, I'm gonna throw just a slight curveball at you my pitcher of the year is matt strom
1: wow like, I, I like just, it i like it i just
0: I don't know what it is about this guy or about watching him last year, because, you know, last year was a pretty frustrating year for this team, except for watching this guy pitch. And uh, I I just love everything about him, about, you know, a tall left-hander, throws as hard as he does, misses bats as much as he does. I just think he's, I think he's the biggest sleeper in maybe this entire division. I, I don't think he's a guy, you know, just because he has only had about a half year of experience, but... I really like what I saw, again, from the spring. He just looks like the type of guy who can just dominate when he comes out of the pit. And I think he's going to be dominant this year as the setup man for this team.
1: Okay, Most improved player, Jake. I'll let you go first.
0: Um, I, you know, this is probably a pretty popular pick, but I, I'll go with Raul Mondesi Jr. Wow. I mean, I, Just after, you know, we saw him at the plate last year, and he looked completely overmatched. I mean, you know, every once in a while you'd see a good swing out of him on a fastball. And his big problem was he just could not identify pitches. And I'm sure he'll still struggle at times. I'm not expecting him by any means to, you know, have a good, really, you know, put up, you know, big average or anything. We don't need that much from him at second base. But I think you're going to see just a drastic improvement in the way he approaches, you know, his, his plate appearances. And I think his swing, his bat speed has improved so much. Um, I, I just think he's going to be with his speed, too, and what he can do on the base pass. I think he's going to be phenomenal, not to mention we already already know what he's going to do with his defense. So I think he's going to bring a spark to this team, and I'm really excited about him being the opening day second baseman.
1: Yeah, he's a guy that really could – Surprise and really helped take the Royals to the next level because you know nobody was really expecting him to make the team or knew what to expect out of him coming into this season. And I've, I think it also can't be emphasized enough that the Royals putting him on the opening day roster and speeding up that service clock—they could have easily sat you know six, seven weeks and then brought him up from Omaha and bought an extra year of uh, of, of, of you know of c- control later on. But it, sh- it shows you how much the A they believe in him, but B they're going for it this year and they want to win. So a tip of the cap to the Royals there for putting the best team they can on the field and not worrying about some of those other things and and my most approved player will be gordo um, to go along with what i talked about a bit earlier i think we'll see more of the 775 780 ops i think we'll see 25 home runs out of alex this year and and you know i I really think alex will bounce back uh you know based on a number of things his dedication his work ethic all the extra hitting he put in this offseason, did a lot of things that people don't know about so i'm expecting a very very nice season out of Alex Gordon. Now, most impactful rookie. I'm assuming you're going with Mondesi. Am I right?
0: Yeah, and and I guess is he technically was with last year qualified as his rookie year?
1: No, I, I, I think really I think he actually could be up for rookie of the other year because year he didn't he hardly played. What did he play? How many? Well, I, I believe it's 120. Actually, I know it's 120 at bats, not played appearances. Let me check that real quick here. He
0: may have had that many at bats.
1: Let's look here. Go ahead and talk about him while I look this up here. I'll look and let you know.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, Modesty is, you know, well, one of his only few options for rookies this year, but, uh, you know, he's going to bring the spark and the energy. Um, And, again, like you said just a minute ago, like I didn't have him on my radar at all as even having a chance to make this team. You know, I figured it was like, okay, they'll say they'll consider him. They'll look at him. He got his pass last year, but he wasn't really, you know, I was thinking, okay, Cuthbert, Cologne, Witt are going to battle it out, and then he just, you know, just grabbed the spot. I mean, they I'm sure it's it's amazing what he's done this spring and just the improvement over the last year. So I I'm excited about what he can do as a rookie for this team.
1: He will not have rookie status. 143 a bat. So he is over the technical Definitely. rookie of the year thing. So there we go. There's the answer to that. But we'll still consider I I consider him a rookie still. I mean, I'll I'll give him the you know, I'll give you that category there. I like that, Jake. You're going to be surprised <laughs> though. I did not pick Mondesi for my most impactful rookie. Are you sitting down right now? Yes. <laughs> Jake, I'm going out on a little limb here. Most impactful rookie, another guy who some people think might be in witness protection, Kyle Zimmer, <laughs> a guy who I hope, knock on wood, might finally be healthy after thoracic outlet surgery. I, I, did I butcher that, or is that how you say it? That's right, like thoracic oh, I think outlet. That's correct. Yeah, that is, I think it is too. <laughs> Me being the media pro here, right? Um, but uh, Kyle Zimmer. Um, You know, there's not a lot of stats to look at. We we all know who he is. We don't want to talk too much about him here. But you know, even heading into last year, his his kind of prospect status has dipped the last three years with the injuries and not progressing. But number 85 going into last year by Baseball America. This is top 100 out of all 30 teams. Number 65 MLB.com. Number 89 by Baseball Prospectus. By the way, speaking of Mondesi, had he been rookie qualification, actually I knew he wasn't a rookie of the year possibility because I knew this. He would have been like number 35 or so in all the rankings going into. this year. So actually, I didn't even have to look it up I would have thought about that. But um, but yeah, so Zimmer there some the numbers for you. This is my favorite one. 222 innings in the minor leagues and 270 strikeouts. So a guy who can miss bats, a guy who has absolutely electric stuff and, you know, I, I guess the Royals still want to give him one more shot as a, as a starter. I think it's pretty clear most likely the only way you see him in KC will be in the bullpen. And I I think, though, Jake, he's a guy and Stalmont's another guy. I think the controls, I think maybe Stalmont's a year away still. He needs more time to work on control. The walks are out of control, um, pun intended. But I I think Zimmer's a guy, Jake, that we could see in the bullpen. and, And I expect to see him. I think he could make a really big difference for this team by, we'll say, June 1st. Out there in that bullpen, I think he could be almost a Brandon Finnegan type, where you bring him up and and he really turns turns it on. Kind of even to a degree, Matt Strom last year, kind of that wild card in the bullpen. So I know you saw him throw out there. What did you see and what do you think of my Zimmer pick?
0: I mean, I like it, and actually, my I'll go ahead and tell you my biggest bold prediction was going to be that Kyle Zimmer makes his debut this summer. Wow, (laughs) I
1: like it. (laughs)
0: I, I do. I really did actually like what I saw from Zimmer, and, and um, especially early in the spring, you know, he's the velocity is there, the stuff is there, he can miss bats. He looks like the type of guy who should be in the back end of a bullpen for this team. And, um, you know, if he, if he had a role on this team at any point this year, I think that's probably what it would be. So I, I think well, I'm just interested, I just hope he can stay healthy. I mean, that's really the key for him, we know this, and I think... My bold prediction every year is going is for like the last three years has been that Zimmer is going to make an appearance, (laughs) and I'm hoping that this will actually be the one because if he stays healthy, he's going to finally make his debut this year, and I I think he even could make an impact.
1: I I expect him to. I I really actually do think he could. I mean, like we talked about Soria in the seventh inning, and and, you know, if if he's effective, great. If not, you probably go to Mike Miner and or Moylan. and if not, a guy like Zimmer is quickly. Next on the list, if he's healthy, Estamon, McCarthy, whoever it may be. There's a number of guys. Jake Junos. There's lots of good intriguing options down there. Luke Farrell, Edwards, on and on and on. I could keep going. Seramo. There's a lot of guys down there. Um, So, yeah, I I agree with you on that. And I like your biggest bold prediction of of him making the debut. Mine, I'm going to double down. You and I, Jake, like to go to the casino and play blackjack. I'm going to double down and make the exact same one I made last year. Last year, I predicted Eric Hosmer would hit 30 home runs. He finished with 25. So let's go through the home run totals. Nine in 2014. uh, Mm -hmm. He was was hurt part of that year, too. 17 in 2013. You go back to 14. As a 19-year-old rookie, he hit 14 in 2012. 18, and then 25 last year. I mean, he continues to go pretty much up outside of that one year. So since 13, you've got 17, 9, 18, 25, 31, Jake, 31 home runs for Eric Hosmer. That's my biggest bold prediction. Your thoughts.
0: I mean, I, I actually uh, thought about that. I think he'll hit probably. I'm not going to say 30. I think he'll hit 26 or 27. That's probably what I'm thinking. But um, it's definitely possible. I'd love to see it. The way he, uh, the way he's swinging the bat. You know, he adjusted his stance just slightly this spring, and it was kind of, kind of like what Gordon was trying to do last year to try to get more power, although it didn't exactly work for him. But Osmer just looks. He's like more still, more comfortable. And he, you know, his problem has kind of just been his ground ball rate. I think that's the only thing for preventing him from uh,
1: hitting more homers.
0: So I, I think it's definitely, definitely possible to see him hit 30 this year. I would love to see it.
1: Well, I know we cannot wait. To get this season underway, here we're about six days away. On Monday, the Royals open up in in Minnesota. I'll be making the trip up there, Jake. Let's pray there's no rain out cause that would. By the way, who builds a stadium in Minnesota five or six years ago and doesn't put a retractable roof on there with the weather they have up there? Why would they do that?
0: Yeah, you would think so with with the way their <laughs> their springs are. It could snow and fall. <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah.
1: <laughs> so it, it's a bit surprising, but we're very excited. Anything else you're really excited about this summer, Jake? I know I'm excited for the Rusty Koontz bobblehead. I'm excited to see the Colorado Rockies here. They're kind of my favorite NL team. Anything else stick out? I'm excited to see the, the Royals play in San Francisco. I'll be out there for that series, be out in Anaheim for that series. You know, anything stick out for you that you're real excited about this summer?
0: Yeah, there's a lot of fun road trip possibilities, definitely, with them going on the West Coast and playing the NL West. So I'm excited about all of that, and honestly, uh, this, this is a little... But I'm excited about the uh, that triple A roster down there. Maybe fun to go watch this year, too. Yeah, <laughs> with some of the lo- Peter O'Brien's probably worth a uh, trip up to Omaha this year. You want to see a long home run that guy uh, he may break the storm Chasers record.
1: Well, that one other question actually before we close here. I should have brought him up earlier since you were out there and saw him play quite a bit. You know, the pitchers he hit the home runs off of aren't very impressive, a lot of them are 4A, triple yeah. A type guys. But uh, the, the other thing here's what I want to know, Jake. Tell me why it's not fool's gold to believe that he really could turn into a premier power hitter. Because I know that at one time the Diamondbacks thought he could be that. But I mean, the Royals give up Sam Lewis for him, a guy that people listening right now probably don't know who that is. I mean, a guy that was down in low A ball and rookie ball. You know, you two years ago with Burlington, and a guy that you really never heard anything about. I mean, I know who he was because I'm obsessed with the minor leagues. I mean, I know the name, and I f- I knew followed him, but he wasn't the guy that was on anybody's radar. So tell me why. I should believe that the Diamondbacks would give up that kind of power for somebody that probably never makes the major leagues. Like, what am I missing here? Like, why would the Royals just get this premier power? Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm kind of skeptical.
0: I, I don't know, and it, it seems like a steal because you would think you can a guy if he gets enough at bats could you know learn how to hit off speed stuff because that's what O'Brien's problem is. This guy just destroys fastballs. I mean, he is got some of the best power I've ever seen in person. So um, I, I don't understand why any team would give up on a guy who has that pure power because you would think with enough at-bats and enough experience that he could maybe learn to, you know, adjust to the other pitches a little bit more. So I think a full year in Omaha, maybe a f- couple full years in Omaha, uh, more at-bats. And I, I still, I, it just, it's exciting to have a guy like that even, you know, because you gave up nothing, you got nothing to lose with a guy like that. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see him up, you know, when the rosters uh, expand and uh, actually probably help the team – his bat off the bench so he's an exciting player I, I don't know why the diamondbacks gave him up for pretty much nothing
1: hopefully he uh, well, i mean i guess the royals did get irvin santana for brandon sisk and they got jeremy guthrie for jonathan sanchez so dayton has pulled some rabbits out of a hat hopefully uh you know, that's a, that's a guy that uh, does more for the Royals than Carlos Pena did when he came up in September. Remember his great at-bats? <laughs> one of them, there's a runner at yeah. third with one out in a must-win game against the Tigers, and he takes three fastballs down the middle for strike
0: three. <laughs> yep. Just didn't, didn't take the bat off the
1: shoulder. Yeah. What a, I know I said that's the last question. I've got one more, and I promise that's it. One more question. Second base, backup, backup infielder spot. You know, who are you putting your money on right now? Cologne, who has no options, or Whit Merrifield. I mean, to me, if this team's all about win now, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm keeping Whit Merrifield, but I know he'll be up soon anyways. But, I mean, to me you're like delaying the inevitable because unless Mondesi completely flops, what role does Christian Colon really have in this team? You've already got a backup third baseman in Cuthbert. Cologne really can't play shortstop. I mean, realistically, realistically they'd probably put Mondesi at short if, if Escobar missed any length of time, because that's where Mondesi will end up. They'd put Escobar at short and probably do a mirror field of Cologne. I mean, my point is Cologne's real only value is that he can play second base at an average level, and he's never hit enough. I mean, who would you take on the open day roster, and who do you think they will? And then, do you think Cologne can even make it the whole year anyways?
0: Um, You know, I'm torn about this, because for some reason, I feel like they are... Like maybe going to take Cologne. I think they will too. That options. Yeah. But I don't think that's necessarily the right thing to do, especially when you're in a win now mode. Because I think Whit Merrifield brings so much to the table, where he can play, you know, even the corner outfield spots as well as anywhere on the infield.
1: And he can run a little bit more. Just
0: just by the way, you know, not to read anything through spring training, but you know, the way that Whit Merrifield's kind of just—he's kind of played with the backups the entire spring, and and. Not that that means anything at all, but you know they've given Cologne every chance possible to make this team, and so if I had to put my money, in, I think Cologne will make it. But uh, I think Whitmer Merrifield, I think they kind of are delaying the inevitable because I think Whitmer Merrifield belongs on this roster and probably will be on this roster most of the season, regardless of what the decision is.
1: Yeah, I just don't. I, I just don't see any scenario where Cologne is able to have any value in, unless Mondesi is not effective or goes down. I mean, you're, you're not putting him at third. He really can't play third. He's below average at third. You've already okay. got Cuthbert and Moose. You're not DHing him. He can't play the outfield. He's not going to play short because you're going to put Mondesi at short. He can play one position average and is never really hit, and can't really run. So I, I love the guy. I'm not trying to cut on Christian Colon. Don't get me wrong. He's done some great things for this organization, and I love that he lives in Kansas City now, and he's lost some weight and really worked hard with Gordo's trainer, Wilson Thomas, mm-hmm. and then a lot of other things. This winter, but to me, yeah, when now I'm going with uh, Whit Merrifield. I just don't understand how Cologne really makes it the whole season. I don't, I don't see the value of keeping him the whole season, and how you're going to be able to keep Merrifield off the roster, and you know some of these other guys. I mean, at some point, you might want to see you know Gore some more. He'll start the opening day roster and move back down. You might want to see Billy Burns at some point. Like you know, I just don't see really how Jake how he's able to make the whole season on the roster. Anyway, it's kind of like you're delaying the inevitable. I feel like.
0: I agree, yeah, and, and Christian Cologne is a great guy, and he's a guy I've wanted to see succeed for, you know, for a long time in a Royals uniform, It just, you know, it's never really panned out, so whatever happens, I wish him the best, but... But uh, I, I don't see him on this roster the whole year. But I do see Whitmerfield as a big part of this roster. I mean, I think he really brings a lot to the table.
1: No matter what, Cologne with two of the bigger hits in Royals history the wild card game, the chopper, and of course, the World Series game. We'll never forget that. Hopefully, hopefully you know, he'll find a way to stick around with the Royals. Uh, It'd be nice if somebody could magically get a turf toe and you know keep all of them, <laughs> but, you know, but yeah. I, I don't no see kidding. that happening. Yeah. So anyway, Jake, I appreciate all the time here. An hour and a half we did. What did we do last year? Like an hour and twenty. It's about the same, I guess, as normal, isn't it? For our preview edition of the dish. I
0: think so. Yeah. 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 It's a lot to talk about in an hour and a
1: half. Yeah, we got in a lot. You know, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Hit us up at Royals Clubhouse on Twitter. That's at Royals Clubhouse. On Twitter, we check that often. We do have a Facebook page. We're much more active on Twitter. Um, and like I said, Jake, I'll be doing uh, – hopefully you can join me some, for some more dishes uh, this year. Um, Absolutely. Maybe do kind of a weekly or biweekly type thing. And, and I think the dish this year, for those listening, will be more of a series type thing versus the every single game. So, uh, you know, we can cover more that way and get more in-depth, and and I think it'll be more listened to as well. So probably look for us at some point, maybe, maybe after game two or three. Um, maybe after that Minnesota series we'll pop on with you and, and re, you know, recap the first series and then preview Houston. That's probably the next time you'll hear from us here on The Dish on Clubhouse Conversation. Jake, thanks so much for your time.
0: No problem. Thanks. Looking forward to opening day.
1: Go Royals.